You're listening to Music is Inspiration. Visit us online at musicisinspiration.com. You're listening to Daniel Paul's newest album, Tabla Mantra, featuring Gina Salah and the Kirtan All-Stars. That's Daniel Paul on vocals and tabla, the pitched drum that you hear on the recording. Tabla is an instrument used traditionally throughout Eastern music and is most often found in Indian classical and Hindi spiritual music. Daniel has performed the tabla since he was 19 years old and has devoted his life to perfecting his technique on the instrument following nine years of intense study at the Ali Akbar School of Music in California and a trip on a U.S. Fulbright to India. Though he was trained in classical Eastern music performance, Daniel has dedicated much of his career to kirtan, a spiritual call-and-response music traditional to India, but now popular worldwide. Daniel has spent many years collaborating with internationally recognized kirtan artist Jai Uttal, while traveling the world and also performing with other top kirtan and Eastern classical musicians. He's recognized as a true tabla master and is also known for his outstanding work as a solo artist. After listening to his music for some time and seeing him perform, I was grateful to have the opportunity to meet with Daniel at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York during a weekend of ecstatic chant, a sort of music festival for kirtan and Eastern classical music. His life story and devotion to his instrument is truly inspiring. I remember about five, six years old, trying to learn guitar from my cousin. That didn't take. We had a piano. I remember trying to learn piano. That didn't take. But all through that period, when I was really, really young, five, six, seven, I was singing to uh, Kingston Trio records, Bob Dylan records, Broadway plays and stuff, um, West Side Stories to jump from couch to couch singing. And then when I got into... I think it was fourth grade I started my first band. It was with Bobby Jansons on guitar and little tiny David Nunes on a, an accordion that was bigger than he was. And believe it or not, I played Coke bottles filled with water, which is actually crazy because it was so many years later that I was playing something called the Tabla Tarang, which pretty much is the same idea. In India, uh, water filled with bowls is called Jal Tarang. So it's the same instrument, really. It's funny that in fourth grade I actually came up with that on my own. I used to play with chopsticks. We played for the class all the time. I remember practicing and writing songs. And then also when I was really young, my mother sent me to school for a recorder. And then I went from that little trio, I went into um, playing in a, in a rock and roll band singing. 
and writing songs and doing covers. Though he had much experience in performing music from a young age, it wasn't until Daniel was 15 when he discovered what would become his true musical passion. And I went to Woodstock when I was 15. My older sister's boyfriend took me, and I arrived when Ravi Shankar and the great Alaraka was playing. And boy, was that amazing. And at the time, it, it was so foreign that I didn't really have an idea that I wanted to play that music. A few years later, I, I ended up with a, just the treble drum of the tabla. Someone traded me something for it. And I was hitchhiking. I, I had immigrated to Nova Scotia. I was living on a farm up there. And in the summer, I hitchhiked down to Mexico with my dog and up California and in Berkeley, by chance, someone dropped me off at the Davis Whole Earth Fair and Ramdas was speaking. And here we are at Omega, which is Ramdas's like uh, alma mater almost, near the Ramdas Library and everything. And he was speaking, and so I went. He was the featured event of the whole weekend, Saturday night in the big hall. And opening for him was something I had never heard of called the Ali Akbar College Orchestra. And there was about 20 or 30 Americans playing sitars, sarods, tablas, and right in the middle of them was my future teacher to be, Zakir Hussain. And I was smitten. But I was also thinking, this is too hard. And I would never, like it would be Juilliard to get into the school. And how could I ever get into the school? I don't have any uh, musical training and it's Indian music. So it took about two years before I ran into someone and she said, oh no, you just pay your tuition and they'll teach you. Boom, I was gone within days. I was living in Florida. I get out to California and little did I know, I walk up there and the school's on vacation for two months. Despite the school's two-month closing, Daniel still ended up staying in California and attending the Ali Akbar School with the support of individuals he had helped years previous. Not only did they support him, but they also lived across the street from Zakir, Daniel's future teacher and the musician he encountered years before performing with the Ali Akbar Orchestra. I was living in New Hampshire a couple of years before I started studying. And I had picked up these two guys hitchhiking, and I took them way out of their way in the woods, like 10 miles out of their way because it was raining. And I took them to their house and dropped them off, and I never expect to see them again. And my first day in Marin County when I, when I got to Marin to study, and remember I said the college was closed for two months, you know? And I just found out, it was pouring rain, I was with my dog, I had nowhere to stay. And I'm hitchhiking, and this guy pulls over. He says, get in, get in. I said, I'm all wet. He says, don't worry, get in, get in. I got a dog. Don't worry, get in. I get in. Where are you going? I don't know. I don't have anywhere to stay. Oh, I'll take you home with me. He takes me home. And about an hour later walks in a, another guy and he takes one look at me. He says, you're the guy that picked us up hitchhiking and took us all out of our way two years ago in New Hampshire. So I, they became my guardians for my first few years at the college. They, took, they were contractors and whenever I needed money, they would give me grunt work to do construction. And it just so happened they lived across the street from Zakir. So I was very fortunate in my early, early years to um, be right there and get to, you know, sometimes Zakir would teach me in his house. He'd say, oh, well, come over at 5 o'clock, Star Trek's on. And he would position me in front of the television to the side and watch Star Trek, and I would be 
playing my lesson while he was watching Star Trek, he'd sit on the couch. As he began to study at the Ali Akbar College of Music, Daniel quickly became a successful and devoted student, especially after a series of events led him to meet and form a personal relationship with the director of the school himself, Ali Akbar. I thought at the Ali Akbar College of Music in San Rafael, California, I would study vocal, I would study tabla, I would study flute, way too much to take on. So I dropped the flute and I just did vocal and tabla. I worked really hard studying vocal and tabla for the first three years and they put me in the orchestra right off the bat because I, I was a singer and they didn't have a lot of good singers. But I didn't know the music the first semester, so I had to learn it by heart listening to tapes and stuff. They were all reading the music. Big orchestra pieces. It was so much fun. It was so fast for me because I didn't know the music. But I had a ball. And after, in my second year, another fateful thing happened. I was so frustrated because it was so foreign to me do the classes, you know. Didn't understand it in the beginning. And one day I was so frustrated, I went out across the lawn and into the woods, and I had grown up playing harmonica, and I had a harmonica with me for some reason. And I was playing my heart out out in the woods, frustrated, like, oh, at least I can play this, you know. And my teacher, Ali Akbar Khan, I have many teachers, so Ali Akbar Khan, who had the college, his eldest son, Ashish Khan, heard me playing harmonica and came over into the woods and said, oh my God, you play so good. I want you in my rock and roll band. You know, he's one of the greatest classical masters of his father's instrument, the Sarod, and he's got a rock and roll band fusion with Indian. I said, well, okay, what am I going to play? He says, you're going to play harmonica. I said, oh, okay. So because Ashish and my harmonica... Ashish started inviting me over to the house where he lived with his father, who was my teacher, Ali Akbar, but Ali Akbar Khan is, was, was not necessarily someone that knew who I was at that point. I mean, he knew I was a student of his. And one night I found myself alone with him in his living room, and he looked at me over his scotch and he said, Maybe you're the one. I remember that distinctly. He said, Maybe you're the one. I said, well, you know, and he gets up and he shuffles over to the file cabinet, comes back with a thick file, hands it to me, and he says, this man owes me money. <laughs> it was a record contract for Connoisseur Society Records in New York City. From 1960, 61, 62, he recorded 15 albums, 20-minute sides, and the guy released uh, 12 of them and never paid them. So I picked up the phone and the, well, I, I went home and I added up the money. It was like $25,000 he owed him, which was a lot of money in those days. This is in 1978. I started in 75 at the college when I was 19. And so I called the guy up in the morning. He starts crying on the phone. I loved Ali, I love Ali Akbar Khan. I went bankrupt and I didn't know how to tell him, so I kept selling, sending him the royalty statements without the checks. I'll do whatever you say. We want the masters, and we want the copyrights. He said, yes, whatever you want. So I flew to New York, came back with all the masters, and Ali Akbar Khan from then on started handing me. I was the one, and he started handing me everything, 
all the correspondence. He didn't trust lawyers. He didn't trust agents or managers anymore because he had been burned. He didn't understand them. He was a very simple man, except that he knew more about music than anybody on the planet. Daniel soon became the manager for Ali Akbar, helping him to open a record label that still exists today, and also began touring with Ali and Zakir as an accompanist on the tambora. Meanwhile, Daniel continued to focus on perfecting his tabla performance. Starting at the college and across the street, I would lock myself in the closet and I would set the um, clock in front of me and I would practice uh, 45 or 50 minutes on each hour. You got to have that clock because you'd think you played 45 minutes and it's only going to be 15. And I have my metronome and I, would, I was in a little closet. And if I closed the door, my, my friends who lived in the house knew not to bother me that I was practicing. And boy, you try and do as many hours as you could. You take that 10-minute break, have some tea, go back to work, practice, practice, practice. It's a hard instrument. You've got to practice your butt off. And you need to have a good teacher to correct your hands when you start for the first many years. Each stroke has a sound. And if you play the rim shot, it's called a ta or na. And you move in slightly, it's tin. And when you hit open with the, on the black dot, it's called uh, tun. And then if you slap the black dot and keep it closed, it's a tet, and then a te, and a ter, and a re. And then when you play the bass drum, that's all on the treble drum. The bass drum just has ge, ge, with the two fingers and you push with your palm to change the sound so the modulation sounds like and then you can slap it and that's called k or cut and then when you play the strokes together the right hand with the the treble drum with the bass drum na and ge become da all the sounds of the treble have a d they change from t to d when played simultaneously with the ge ge on the bass drum and the the different syllables change when you start going faster and faster and you learn all these compositions in certain time signatures the most common being 16 and so a composition might sound like this so everything you learn to play, you learn to say at the same time. You don't learn them separately, you learn them at the same time. You obviously spend a lot more time playing it, but when you first learn it, you learn to say it at the same time. 
Though he was trained in Eastern classical music, Daniel has made much of his living performing kirtan, or folk music. While classical music is typically written in 16-beat rhythms, meaning more complicated rhythmic parts, Daniel says that kirtan is often in 8 beats, resembling 4-4 rock and roll music which typically leads to easier improvisation. After nine years of studying classical at the Ali Akbar school, Daniel decided to pursue a Fulbright in India to further his understanding of kirtan. Well, I spent nine years at the Ali Akbar College, and I worked my butt off and for those um, last seven years working for Ali Akbar Khan, trying to study in the, you know, singing in the orchestra, play, and then eventually playing tabla in the orchestra, playing in the drum orchestras under later Swapan Chaudhary and the um, classes, you had so much to practice. I really worked my butt off. And after nine years when I left, a couple of years after that, I decided to apply for a Fulbright for um, a survey of the drumming styles of northern India. But I had already moved to Hawaii and had come across kirtan. And so all, my ulterior motive was to not only study classical music in India, but I also wanted to improve my abilities to play folk music, which is why I called it a survey of all the styles of drumming. Though he had spent some time in India years earlier during a tour with Ali Akbar, Alaraka, and Zakir, Daniel's Fulbright experience provided him an opportunity to travel alone while encountering new teachers and amazing experiences, advancing his knowledge of folk music. I just went from village to village, temple to temple, and I would bring my drums in a, in a soft bag and sit next to the drummer in the temple, and they were usually playing a little folk drum. And uh, I would kind of sit behind the drummer and sing along, and they'd see this, you know, Caucasian guy, and they'd kind of grunt at me, and, oh, okay, or smile. And then um, after I'm there for a while and they're a little more comfortable with me, I would unzip my bag and kind of open it a little and let the drummer look inside. And his eyes would light up because they're too poor to afford the metal drum, so they didn't have tabla in these temples. They'd want to play my tablas. I'd say, sure, sure, you know. And then after a while, I'd get to play, and I'd try and imitate them. They'd get my lesson right there, playing with them. And on some holidays, they'd go all night long, one place in Pushkar. There's 50 temples around Pushkar Lake. I think it was the appearance day for, um, for Ganesha, I think. And they were going all night long, and I just brought my tablas in. I stopped at every temple. Not every temple was going all night long, but every temple that was, like every four or five temples, I would walk in and sit and spend an hour or two. Until at dawn, I was, made my way all the way around the lake and finally got back. Another time, I was up in, um, in Kashmir in, lake, um, in the smaller lake, not Dal Lake, the smaller one, living in a houseboat and practicing, and my landlord of the houseboat heard me and he said, oh, I'm going to tell my son, he's a singer, and 
he must know this, you know. And the son came and heard me. He was about my age at the time. I was 33, and maybe he was a little younger. And the son said, I'm coming back to get you tonight. It's full moon, and we're, we're going to do Kowali, which Kowali is about a thousand years ago when the uh, Muslims came to India. They were trying to convert the Hindus, and they were having a lot of trouble, and they say that this great Sufi saint, Amir Khusrau, came up with the idea, well, the reason we can't convert the Hindus is because they sing all the time and we don't sing. So he took kirtan and bhajan and Hindu-style music, and he started singing it with Islamic words to Muhammad and to Allah. And this is called Kowali music. And so that's what this, the son of my landlord played. So they came and got me. I'm on a houseboat, remember? So they came in a boat. And he said, bring your drums into the boat. And he said, set them up. And they rowed out to the middle of the lake. And they had two boats and they lashed them together. And they had a harmonium. They had another kind of folk drum. They had a um, guy playing metal clangers and a guy on a stringed instrument. And they were so fun. And the full moon over the lake. And after the first song ended, I was having such a good time. Everybody around the lake started yelling. And I went, oh, no, they're all telling us to stop. And they weren't saying that. They were, they were yelling requests. So it turned out that every full moon, they would come out and do this. Since his Fulbright experience, Daniel has spent over 20 years touring with Jai Utal while collaborating with countless other artists and living on the Hawaiian island of Maui. Daniel's career with Jai has taken them around the world while spreading the folk music of India. Though they didn't begin performing together until after his Fulbright, Daniel and Jai had unknowingly crossed paths when they were younger. Now, a little side event here, um, if I can change the chronological order, is back up to Ramdas at the Whole Earth Fair in Davis, he always had a kirtan singer, and when he would get tired of singing, he would look over at these kirtan singers, and they would start singing. And I didn't know this for about 25 years, but the singer that night was Jai Utal. So my life with Jai, which has now been 23 years, like almost started that much earlier. But I go to the Aliakbar College, and he was studying at the college at that time. But remember, I didn't get to the school for two more years. By the time I got there, he had left, and I never heard his name mentioned for nine years. He wasn't there. A couple of years after I left the college, I was, playing, I was asked to play a benefit, classical music, for Ramdas, for his Seva Foundation. And I finished playing with a Sarod player, classical music, and this, somebody, this young man t- taps me on the shoulder, and he says, oh, by the way, we're playing a little kirtan after for Ramdas and the staff after everybody leaves. Would you like to stay and play kirtan with me? Well, I had been playing kirtan. Remember, I had, at this point, I would just gotten back from India where I went on the Fulbright to learn more how to play for kirtan. I said, oh, I'd love to play kirtan with you. We sat down, and within 30 seconds, we looked at each other and went, wow, this is cool. And that's, so I met Jai again through Ramdas. Wow. And Jai said, hey, I'm recording my first album in a few months. Would you play on it? And I did. That's Footprints. And then he started the Pagan Love Orchestra, and I played on the 
next album, I moved to Hawaii, so I wasn't around, and Jai had a very good friend, a lovely man, Jeffrey Gordon, who became Jai's tuba player and all-around drummer for that, and I was his substitute for the next 10 years of the Pagan Love Orchestra, and I got to play with them a lot, because Jeffrey also worked with other groups. While serving as a substitute for Jai's drummer, Daniel continued to perform with a number of ensembles, including groups in Hawaii and a techno world music band that performed in San Francisco. He also recorded a few albums using the tabla tarong, a chromatic set of tabla played like a xylophone. In 2001, Daniel became the full-time tabla player alongside Jai, just as Kirtan began gaining popularity in yoga studios around the U.S. He's continued to play with Jai ever since, including a number of performances during this ecstatic chant weekend here at Omega. Daniel continues to perform with Jai and other top Kirtan artists around the world, and he just released his newest album, Tabla Mantra, with Gina Salah. Funny enough, my favorite part is probably like right when I sit down and, and whoever I'm accompanying is introducing or is talking or right when, before we're about to start, I thank my teachers for letting me be there. It's my favorite part. And then the wonderful thing about the music, both classical and kirtan, is, you know, we're, as Americans, we're, like, in our heads a lot, you know? Well, once we get going, and if you really, like, you know, I was fortunate to be in the right place and do a lot of study and a lot of practice. And once you start playing, after a while, your brain stops working. And you're on automatic. And everything falls away. And the music becomes you and you no longer are using your brain and it's just coming from your heart and you're just enjoying being in the language of music with whoever you're accompanying and thank god i you know i had such great teachers and they they taught me how to accompany as best as i can and that is when I feel like the most fulfilled on the planet when I'm in service to the mantras or if it's classical music to the tones the perfection of the music and in service to the people I'm accompanying and just bringing that to the audience and having them in kirtan sing along and be able to experience where we can go all together as a group or in classical music for them to just hear that perfection of sound You've been listening to Music as Inspiration with Daniel Paul. Visit his website at Tabla Daniel to learn more about his upcoming performances and to purchase his new CD, Tabla Mantra. Hear additional audio from this interview and learn more about Daniel and Music as Inspiration at musicisinspiration.com. I'm your host, Dylan J.K. Vogue. Thanks so much for tuning in. <laughs>